0: Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. Score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. that we here highly resolve, that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. I have just read the familiar words of the Gettysburg Address delivered by our 16th President, Abraham Lincoln, on November nineteenth, 1863. If you ever get a chance to visit Washington, D.C., you will find the words of the Gettysburg Address reproduced on one of the walls of the Lincoln Memorial. On June 1st, 1865, Senator Charles Sumner referred to the most famous speech ever given by President Abraham Lincoln. In his eulogy on the slain president, he called the Gettysburg Address a monumental act. He said Lincoln was mistaken that the world will little note nor long remember what we say here. Rather, Sumner remarked, the world noted at once what he said and will never cease to remember it. The battle itself was less important than the speech. In doing research on the history of Memorial Day for this program, I found out it started after the Civil War. Over 620,000 soldiers were killed in that war. A Civil War general by the name of John Logan actually thought up the idea of decorating the graves of those who had died in the Civil War. When it started, it was known as Decoration Day. It eventually became known as Memorial Day, and May 30th was chosen as the day to commemorate it. In 1968, the Uniform Monday Holiday Act went into effect, and that moved Memorial Day to a set day. The last Monday each May is now set aside to remember the men and women who have died in the military service of our country. Memorial Day also traditionally marks the beginning of the summer season. How do you celebrate Memorial Day? Do you go on vacation to the beach or the mountains? Do you have a cookout with family and friends? Do you watch the Indianapolis 500 NASCAR race? Do you visit a cemetery? Do you remember someone, perhaps in your own family, who died in military service? When I was a young girl, I didn't really understand what I was looking at when I found and opened a small box in a drawer at my grandparents' house. Inside the box was a gold heart which was surrounding a Purple Heart that had George Washington's profile on it. Many of you will recognize the military award I just described. It is the Purple Heart and is awarded for being wounded or killed in any action against an enemy of the United States. Years later, I found out the Purple Heart Award had been given to my mother after her first husband was killed in Germany during World War II. I'm sure people who have lost a loved one, whether killed in a war or as a result of a terrorist attack or an automobile accident or suicide or disease, never forget their loved ones. We always remember those who have shown us love and brought joy into our lives. We often have good memories of happier times because sometimes the memory of a person is all we do have. Sadly, sometimes our memory of people is not so warm and happy. We remember those who have been mean to us, or spoken rudely to us, or totally ignored us while they were speaking, it seems, to everyone else around us. Yes, until we get to the age where we forget more than we remember, we have all sorts of memories, good and bad. In Proverbs 10, verse 7, King Solomon wrote these words, We all have happy memories of good men gone to their reward, but the names of wicked men stink after them. I want to read you what Henry Blackaby has to say regarding this verse from his devotional book, The Experience. This is his devotion from May 23rd. How would you like to be remembered? When people hear your name, what mental image would you like them to have? If you live a righteous life, choosing to honor God with what you say and do, you will create a legacy of blessing others. People will know they can trust you. They will have fond memories of times spent with you. They will be better people because of their friendship with you. If God leads you to live somewhere else, those you leave behind will remember you fondly as someone whom God used to bless them. Over a lifetime, there will be many whose lives were richer because you were a part of it. On the other hand, if you are not careful with sin in your life, you will leave a far different impression on people. If you are selfish or egotistical or vindictive or unreliable in your relationships, A day will come when you discover you have a reputation. When your name is mentioned, people will immediately have negative thoughts come to mind. People will not want to be around you. They will warn others about you. You will not be trusted. Sadly, some people never realize that the reason others avoid them or don't trust them is that they have allowed sinful behavior to tarnish their reputation. Now is a good time to decide how you'd like to be remembered and to make a conscious choice to develop a good reputation. I remember this quote by Thomas Paine that I had to memorize in the eighth grade. Reputation is what men and women think of us. Character is what God and the angels know us to be. We remember our parents, some good memories and perhaps some not so good. I can remember getting punished unfairly one time, and I have never forgotten it. Of course, I can also remember not being punished when I deserved it like the time I let my younger sister take the blame for eating Girl Scout cookies that I, in fact, had eaten and then lied about it. It's funny the things we remember. We remember good school teachers and also those who were not so good. Memories, memories. We all have them. Oh, there's so many things we remember and some things we wish we didn't. I remember a card someone gave me one time. It was like a business card size. There was a picture of Jesus on one side and then the person's name was on the reverse side. And here is what was printed on that card. If you meet me and forget me, you have lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus Christ and forget him, you have lost everything. I remember a Sunday school teacher I had when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. She impressed on me that we should never, ever put anything on top of the Bible. That putting something on top of the Bible or putting the Bible on the floor would be disrespectful to God. And not wanting to show disrespect to God or His Word, to this day I cannot put anything on a Bible. And if I see something on your Bible, it would make me very uncomfortable and I would want to remove it. I attend a fair amount of funerals and I always listen with great interest as a family member gets up and recounts memories they have of their loved ones. It oftentimes gives you a snapshot of the deceased life story. Very rarely is anything negative ever said, thank goodness. Kay had an uncle that passed away several years ago, his mother's brother. I remember the last time I saw him, he was in the hospital, and there was nothing else that could be done for him, and he knew his days were numbered. I will never forget what he said that evening in the hospital. It is forever etched in my memory. This was what he said. I have had a wonderful life. I have so much to be thankful for. God has blessed me beyond what I could ever have imagined. Wasn't that great? He was certainly bringing glory to the Lord, even on his deathbed. And I will add this. When I went to this uncle's funeral, and I'm one that usually has a pocket full of Kleenex because I cry at funerals, they ask if anybody would like to go up and say anything. And I think Kay liked to have a heart attack when he saw me leaving the pew and going up to speak. I wanted to tell everybody there what this memory was, what I had heard this uncle say just a few days before he died about how thankful he was and about the life the Lord had blessed him with. I would like to think that if I'm ever in that position, that I too could be a witness for the Lord by giving Him thanks for all His blessings to me. You know, I used to think that commemorating the Lord's Supper was more of an interruption and a delay of our church service than anything else. And in our church, we only have communion four times a year. Some churches serve communion every Sunday. However, my whole attitude changed about the Lord's Supper when I read what the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26 from my life application bible. For this is what the Lord himself has said about his table, and I have passed it on to you before, that on the night when Judas betrayed him, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take this and eat it. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death, that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. So it was, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ himself who told his first 12 disciples, and he is telling us today through his word, that he wants us to remember him every time we eat the bread and drink the wine, so that we will never forget what it cost him to take our sins upon himself on the cross. It was truly a sacrifice without equal. There was power in the blood that Jesus shed for us, and the blood of Jesus will never lose its power the power to wash away our sins and make us fit for heaven. For by His death on the cross, He provided a way for us sinners to spend eternity in heaven with Him and His Father. I think I may have told you about the girl in Sunday school who said she knew one thing God couldn't do, and that was He couldn't see our sin when we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Are you covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you by faith accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, why not? What are you waiting for? What will your legacy be? What memory do you want your family and friends to have of you? That you were someone who never went to church? Someone who thought it was all foolishness? Have you been hurt so badly you have turned away from God and given up on religion? If you are still breathing, it is not too late for you to decide to trust in Jesus. I always think about the thief who was crucified on the cross right beside Jesus. He wasn't in a bed, he was on a cross, but it was certainly what we would call a deathbed confession. And he believed in Jesus, and Jesus forgave his sins, and he will forgive your sins too. I want to share with you an email I received from a listener. Her mother did not have a Christian upbringing, but sometime during her life she found God and accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, and that has made all the difference. She will leave her children and grandchildren with a legacy of faith. Here is her story, as recounted by her daughter. Mom was born and raised in poverty and is illiterate. She was mentally and physically abused since she was a small child. I remember her telling me of a story of her being locked out of the house and left asleep under a bush with all to keep her warm was her dog. She was probably three or four at the time. I'm sure this is one of the reasons she loves dogs so much. They made her quit school when she was in third grade so that she could work and help at the boarding house and wash clothes on a scrub board. She lived in a house that was haunted and you could see the dirt floor beneath them. She was used as a punching bag by her brother and pushed off the roof of her house by him also. Her father beat her often and emotionally tortured her. One day he had come home from work and went to get a Pepsi from the refrigerator, but it was gone. Her brother had drunk it and blamed it on her. Her father went out and bought a six-liter carton of Pepsi and made her drink all of them at once. And she was doubled over in pain and tears, and finally her stepmother talked him into taking her to the emergency room, where they found out that her appendix had ruptured. She was twelve at the time. The only friends she ever had were her pets and then they put her to work in a factory when she was 14. They forged her birth certificate so she could get the job. Her stepmother gave her her first cigarette on the way to her first factory job in Binghamton, New York. When she walked to work, it was in the snow with shoes that had cardboard in the bottom soles. Of course, she had to hand over her check when she got it and got a beating in exchange. Eventually, she moved to North Carolina to be with her alcoholic mother, who really didn't want her either. Soon after, she met my father, fell in love, and got married. They were very poor. She was working in a factory, and he was taking on odd jobs. His mother would give him money to eat, but he would not even share it with her. The house that we live in now, she and he bought. They had to rent it out, though, when he went to Vietnam. It was the first thing my mother had ever had of quality. It was the most beautiful, quaint home, glossy hardwood floors and a screened-in porch, a beautiful yard. After my dad came home, and then they were going to clean out the house after the tenants had moved out, the tenants had destroyed it, left the water running, rollers skated on the floors, crayon marks all over the walls, etc. Her heart was broken, but this little house meant the world to her. They repaired it the best they could. A few years after my dad had come home, he began running around on her. One night after praying, God led her to a trailer where she found him with another woman, and that was the end of her marriage. After he left us, she worked two full-time jobs, too proud to be on welfare. We never saw her because she was always working, and by now she had forgiven her mother and moved her in with us. She had forgiven her father, but he still lived in New York. She had found God. Surely God is what kept her going all these years. She eventually forgave my dad, too, took him back, and quit one of her jobs. But it wasn't a happy time, so he left again, this time for good. He often saw my brother, but not me. I got my first job at Drug when I was 14 years old and tried to help with the very little money I had. When I finally went to college, I worked the whole time, and we refinanced our house to help And then she refinanced again when my brother went off to school. Mother never knew how to really handle money, so she couldn't teach me. So it has been a struggle for us to get by. But we continue to cling to our faith in God and His promises to us. From James 1.12, God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. So these are the memories from a daughter here in our community. These are her memories. What memories will your family and friends have of you? What legacy will you leave behind? What a wonderful legacy you can leave for your family and friends by making a profession of faith. No matter how old you are, remember, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to close today's program with a story from the book, Then Sings My Soul. Book number three by Robert J. Morgan. The hymn is The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power. Perhaps you know the song, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, by Andre Crouch. He's the Grammy award-winning songwriter and gospel singer who also gave us Bless the Lord, O my soul, my tribute, soon and very soon, and through it all. Andre was a pioneer of the Jesus movement of the 1960s and 70s and God used him to help usher in the era of contemporary Christian music. Remarkably, Andre wrote The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power when he was only 14 years old. Years before Andre wrote The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, a husband-and-wife team, Walter and Sevilla Martin, published this hymn with the same title, opening with similar words and rejoicing in the identical theme. The Martins were quite a team. Walter was born in Massachusetts and attended Harvard before entering the ministry, first as a Baptist and then as a member of the Disciples of Christ. Sevilla hailed from Nova Scotia and was a schoolteacher before marrying Walter. Much of their ministry was spent traveling, singing, preaching, and soul-winning, but they were also hymnists. Sevilla wrote the words and Walter the music for The blood will never lose its power, and God will take care of you. Sevilla also wrote the lyrics to the classic, His Eye is on the Sparrow. It's not surprising to have two similar hymns from different eras about the same great reality behind our redemption. The Bible says we were not redeemed from our empty way of life with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. There's a scarlet stream coursing through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, Think of it as the circulatory system of the Bible. The beating heart of the love of God creates for us a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We must never lose our message of the blood, for the blood will never lose its power. I'm going to read you these words from this hymn. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It soothes my doubts and calms my fears, and it dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. And I'm going to leave you with this verse from Romans 15, 13. So I pray for you that God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in Him. I pray that God will help you overflow with hope in Him through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you for listening.